0: Welcome back, everybody, to another Full Tank Motorcycle Podcast. It's just me again. It's another Q&A episode. And this one's off the back of the international press launch for the Triumph Street Triple. Absolutely brilliant. We did a day out on the track at Jerez. And then we did a day of road riding as well. And so hopefully I've got some comprehensive experience on the bike. So we've got questions from our private Facebook group and if you're not a member already, then you can head to Facebook and search for Full Tank Motorcycle Podcast. Anyone can join, we might just boot you out if you spam or something, that's why it's private, but pretty much we let everybody in. We've only ever kicked out one person. And then also I've got some questions from YouTube and a few from Instagram as well. So I'll dive straight in. And the first one is from Facebook and it's Phil Thompson. And he says, can you ride it in a relaxed way or is it a full on speed monster all of the time? Thanks. Now, this pretty much comes down, I think, to... A question of whether you go for the R or the RS. So there's a few more questions here from Urban Adventure on YouTube, Sparky List, Rafe Gerzo. All pretty much around the same kind of subject, uh, which is better, the R or the RS? Now there's going to be a full video over on our main YouTube channel comparing the two bikes in the pit lane at Jerez. But look, here's the shorter version, and it pretty much uh, you know directly answers Phil's questions. So the R model sits a little bit lower at the back. And that means that not only is the seat height a touch more accessible, but also the geometry of the bike is a little bit more chilled out, whereas the RS is like 10 mil up. So yeah, then it's 836mm in the seat height, so it feels more up and over the bars, like a more sporty bike in the riding position, but also it quickens up the handling because it's got that steeper rake at the front end because the rear of the bike has lifted. And then if you look at the entirety of the rest of the bike, you know, all the little changes like the Brembo Stalema brake calipers on the RS and the supercoursers, the tyres, and the suspension you've got on Ohlin Shock, you know, everything feels just a little bit more performance bias the brakes are a little sharper the tires are a touch grippier you know the quality of the suspensions that little bit better the engines are pretty much the same right up until you get to the top of the rev range so the rs makes 130 ps peak or 128 horsepower and then the r makes uh, 120 ps which i think is like yeah 118 or so but the peak torque figures are exactly the same so 18 newton meters i think at about nine and a half thousand rpm and so really Really for most riding the engines feel pretty similar, they both get a quick shifter, it's more in the chassis spec and how they handle and how they feel to sit on and so if you want the more chilled out bike and you want to ride it in a slightly more relaxed way then definitely go for the R model. If you want something that's more likely to be ridden on track and you want to feel like it's a a more aggressive and more precise bike then definitely go for the RS. Thing is I will say we rode the RS on the road as well and it's pretty pleasant you know right at the top of the rev range you do have that extra bit of power it does feel quite revvy and lively and it feels pretty suited to the track but the beauty of a triple engine is it does have a nice blend of talkiness and um, also that top end rush but yeah on the road you're mainly riding it in the mid-range and you really come to appreciate you know just how smooth and premium it feels the engine is beautifully smooth it's got plenty of guts for mid-range road riding and then things like the quick shifter just feel really nicely put together and the throttle response there's no choppiness on and off the throttle it's really nicely done and I think that's just um, you know par for the course for most triumphs nowadays it's rare that they do anything bad in that regard and so you definitely get to experience that more on the road where you might be riding it at lower speeds, for example, where that throttle chop can become more noticeable. But overall, yeah, R is slightly more relaxed. RS a little bit more sporty but you can ride both of them anywhere you want really the R will go a bit quicker the RS can chill out a little bit more next up from Martin van staden on uh, YouTube he says my question is how much of a difference is there from this new model to the previous gen and is it worth the extra money also are the new gear ratios a good or bad change if it's even noticeable now I I don't know if it's a massive difference from the previous gen I mean if you look at the whole bike like there are new things you know Know, the Brembo Stilemmas that I mentioned are an upgrade. There's new bodywork across the bike, and so it looks a little bit more modern and it's got a bit more edge to it. There's the inertial measurement unit, which gives you uh, lean sensitive ride arrays. You've got more power. It's 130 PS peak on the RS, like I say now, which is, I think, 7 PS up on the previous generation. So yeah, lots of little tweaks across the bike, But I think the big one is that uh, raising rear ride height that gives it this more nimble feeling and the more, you know, agile handling. That's the thing that probably makes the biggest difference to the two bikes. But you could fit that to the previous gen if you wanted. You could put a 10 mil spacer on the shock and get pretty much the same effect. Thing is with the rider aids as well, if you're riding in the summer and maybe you're using top-notch tyres anyway and maybe the roads you go on are pretty good in terms of the grip levels, then you might not feel that much intervention from lean sensitive ABS and lean sensitive traction control. I mean, they could well save you one day and you'll be very glad they're there. But, you know, if you're not noticing your ABS and TC kicking in at all in the riding conditions you go out in, then probably that's not going to be a massive advantage to you either. The brakes are perfectly good on the previous gen. And so I think all of the little changes, you know, you could make a case for either being able to do them yourself or them not necessarily being night and day and so i think unless you're extremely cash rich or perhaps you've got a certain circumstance around pcp coming to an end and you're looking to just replace it with the same thing but newer you know maybe that's a decent enough reason to swap for one but i wouldn't say you know it's necessarily like a huge reason to upgrade now, Dawa Penjo on YouTube asks, I have two questions. Did they improve the turning radius? How good are the ergonomics and comfort? And so how long can you ride it before it gets uncomfortable? Um, so firstly, I didn't notice any difference in the turning radius and they didn't mention it in the press release so or in the press briefing rather. So I wouldn't expect any change there. As for the ergonomics and comfort, well, like I say, that lifting rear ride height does make a difference. 8.26 on the R, 8.36 mil in the seat height on the rs so it has changed i would say though on the road ride you know we did plenty of riding that day we were out pretty much from 10 ish to four in the afternoon so not a, a monster day but enough to notice any aches and pains and niggles and things like that and to be honest i found both bikes very comfortable you know within what's possible for a sporty naked it's not going to be your first choice of bike for doing big touring rides but i'm about five nine and for me, it's perfectly fine. So uh, maybe if you're at the extreme ends of the height spectrum, you might find it somewhat different. But I'd say it's every bit as good as any other naked bike in terms of comfort. Next up on YouTube, Frank Torre, Torre uh, says, my question would be, how do you think it compares to other triples on the market, like the MT-09 SP, for example? Now, the MT-09 yeah it does feel kind of similar they're both inline triples and they have the same sort of character to them but I think the key difference is the extra displacement that you get with the MT-09 means that it produces quite a bit more peak torque and it makes it lower in the rev range so you do feel that it feels like a a smaller revier engine that makes more peak power because it can rev out so high on the street triple Uh, whereas the MT-09 is more mid-rangey and perhaps a little bit more suited to road riding. The other thing you know off the top of my head is a big difference between those two bikes apart from stuff like the looks and maybe like the tech the dash isn't amazing on on the mt09 but uh the big thing for me is the riding position i always find the mt09's riding position to be quite distinctive with pretty high up bars and quite um you know it's like an all-rounder riding position yeah the rs where you're a bit more up and over the bars to me it feels sportier in its riding position than an mt09 if my memory serves me correctly and so if you are riding in that more sporty way then it might be the better choice and like i say if you're revving it out so track days maybe the um the street trip will be the choice General road riding, either would be perfectly good, but that extra guts from the MT-09 and perhaps a slightly more chilled riding position uh, might make it the better choice. But just demo both, make your own mind up and uh, hopefully use some of this information just to prime yourself before you go into that experience. Now, Vincent Lazatan. Well, it could be Vincent Lazatan if it is French. It says, one of the things I really didn't like about the current RS is the butterfly tachometer on the TFT display. That's the reason I opted for the R version. Plus, I was short on cash for the RS. In the earlier versions of the RS, so 2017 to 2019, this is such a long question. Definitely the longest question in this list. In the earlier versions of the RS, they had a digital version of an analog tach. What does the tach look like in the 2024 model? How is the link breaking? Notice any difference between the non links models? Also, seating position. Right, we've covered seating position, so I don't have to go into that. The dash is pretty much the same on the the RS, so it does get that butterfly rev counter or you called correctly called it. Um, And I agree, it is a little bit unusual and takes a little while to get used to. I think you have to train your eyes to think of it as just looking for a shape that's getting bigger as you get up through the rev range. And also it changes colour. I think it gets redder. It goes from blue to red. So Uh, You can sort of see it in your peripheral vision, and it is kind of handy. But I do understand why some people just prefer something like the BMWs, where you've just got like a a slightly angled bar that just fills up. And some of the Ducati displays as well are really simple to use in terms of just reading the revs at a glance. It does strike me that like they could have potentially used one of the four different layouts to try some in you know, slightly different. It feels like four versions of a similar, um, certainly for the basics, like the speed and the rev counter. Yeah, four different versions that just allocate a different amount of space to things like the um, Bluetooth connectivity and turn by ten directions. What I would have liked to have seen from four different layouts is like, yeah, one that's a bar for the rev counter. Maybe some people do like that butterfly layout and then uh, maybe something more like a traditional analog round kind of rev counter, a bit like you see on the Speed Triple or Tiger 1200, but no, they've made them all kind of similar. So for me, that's a bit of a shame. On the R version, it now gets the same TFT, no, not TFT, It's an inverted LCD display as you'll find on the Tiger 660 and the um, Trident 660. So inverted LCD at the top with a very simple and easy to read tachometer and then a small TFT display at the bottom half of that dash for things like the uh, menus and riding modes and the Bluetooth settings. Personally, I really like that dash. I think it's um, a little bit divisive, a bit Marmite, but having owned the Trident, I thought it was really easy to read at a glance and uh, did all the basics well. And then it's amazing how much functionality they've crammed into such a small TFT. So uh, personally, I quite like it, but I think I'd still want the TFT just for the extra screen space when you're going through menus and stuff. But yeah, sorry to disappoint. What was the other question? Ah, the link breaking. Having borrowed... I think we've got, this would be the fourth bike in my memory, maybe the Speed Triple RS, Speed Triple RR, Tiger 1200s I think have link braking and now this. Uh, so perhaps the fourth Triumph I've ridden with it and I can't say that I've ever noticed it and I think that's exactly what they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be seamless, you would just not even feel it or you know become worried by it you don't even have to think about it really but all they say is that in their testing they, they've proven it shortens stopping distances so in an emergency braking situation especially you know you're probably going to be glad it's there um, but yeah i think it's a really nicely implemented system in that i can't feel it but um you know hopefully it is hauling me up a little bit quicker now ari atona on youtube now asks are you still able to easily put on a slip-on exhaust like other model years or is he going to need a full system Basically, I think it's a full system. I had a good look at it and then I've looked back at some of my footage and I think it is one complete welded full system. And I think I asked this on the Trident 660 launch when they didn't announce any uh, accessory exhaust. I was like, well, why is that? Um, You know, what's the reasoning? Surely that's an easy grand or so down at the dealer because a lot of people would like to spec up the accessory exhaust. And they said that given the emissions regulations are so strict now and how much, you know, substance there is, to the catalyzer and things like that they felt they couldn't offer any value to the customer in terms of performance gains and it was difficult to get a massively different sound out of it and so all you're getting is something that looks nicer and maybe has like a, an arrow badge on it and they thought it wasn't good value for money for the customer and really they said that they'd rather put their time into making the stock exhaust sound as good as possible and so i think you know having listened to a few stock triumph exhausts over the last you know few years i think they definitely do a good job of that and so it's fair enough and then why would you make it a slip-on i suppose if it's cheaper just to make the full system especially if you're not as a company offering any opportunity to upgrade to an accessory exhaust i think it's tough for people who do want to buy an aftermarket slip-on but from a triumph perspective i think it makes total sense now luke sims says i would be interested to know from which speed the bike starts to become really fun this generally means at what Speedy, you're driving when you're at maximum torque, so nine and a half thousand rpm in second gear. So, just looking back at my track footage and just trying to think about how that felt, I mean, there's a couple of corners where you do get down into second, where it makes its peak torque at nine and a half thousand rpm. I wouldn't necessarily say is where the fun starts, I'd say it's around six or seven thousand rpm, and it is relatively flat, the torque curve up at that point. So, you do feel like you're getting plenty out of it above six or seven but what i will say is you're probably doing 60 70 miles per hour before you even start to kind of feel it really fly Um, they have shortened the gearing for this generation so i think it was first is taller um but like second third fourth were six percent shorter or something like that uh whereas the top gears were one or two percent shorter that should have shifted uh that speed at which the bike becomes fun, a little bit lower. And also they've made changes to the final drive as well with what you would call shorter gearing. So I assume if you compare it to the previous gen, it's a little bit more fun in those sort of like road speeds or on the edge of what's legal on the road speeds. On the track, it felt great. I mean, it's going to vary track by track, but certainly for Jerez, you know, it felt um, ideal And um, you could knock it down into second into some of the slower corners and that was plenty of acceleration out the corner. But also if you were in third and maybe you've not quite optimized your gear selection for that corner or maybe one of the slightly less tight corners where you're into third, there still feels like plenty of grunt in the mid range to just pull you up into that fun party range. Um, but yeah I think probably marginally better than the previous gen uh, but still it's not got that massive mid-range punch that you get from some of the twin cylinder bikes or stuff like the MT-09 which even on paper has clearly a lot more torque lower down uh, but if you ride it you will notice it feels a bit more gutsy at the sort of like 40-50 mile an hour and upward speeds. Philoo mm-hmm. dad asks, can they increase the compression ratio even more, like the MV for a bit more horsepower? Interesting one, they say they've increased the compression ratio again for this generation, so I'm not sure how much further they can take it. And I wonder if that's a moot question anyway, because... This is like a mid-lifecycle update, isn't it? Well, we've had a few mid-cycle updates, but uh, I'm wondering whether the next iteration of this bike is going to be quite a significant advancement where you'd expect um, quite a significant change to the engine. And so maybe that'll be less relevant. I mean, the, the last big change was 6.75 to 7.65. So maybe it'll get more capacity again or something like that. Who knows? But um, I don't know. I don't know if they'll take this engine even further probably 130 ps is um about the most they're going to get out of it if you look at the moto 2 bikes 140 ps out of those and they're really stressed engines that get Rebuilt on the regular because they're race bikes, so probably can't take it that much further, I would imagine. Amit Chakrapani asks, Can you have the race clip ons like the ones that are on the limited edition as an accessory for the normal 765? I don't believe so. I mean, it's a completely different top yoke, and so um it'd be quite expensive if you did do that. But it, yeah, it's not really a question of just fitting some different bars, you'd have to redo the whole lot there. I don't know if I'd even advise it because that'd make it really quite. Quite aggressive but then you'd have no fairing to get kind of down below but yeah, anyway if you did fancy doing that I think your best bet is probably looking at the aftermarket um, I know that for the Bonnevilles like the Thruxton you can get a flat bar kit to make it a bit more like a speed twin um, so maybe you can go the other way on the the street triple and certainly that's a bike that has been converted for racing and track use a million times over so i'd imagine if you did your research there's there's something kind of third party but i don't see an official moto 2 um accessory kind of handlebar kit for the for the rs and to be honest they probably want to keep the moto 2 a little bit special so it's kind of like they probably wouldn't offer the paint job as an option on the rs because they want to keep that moto 2 a little bit above in terms of spec Zorb2 asks, I had the 765 RS. I've got a Moto2 on tentative pre-order. Are the Moto2 Ergo still okay? Or does it go too far like the Speed Triple RR? Now, the Speed Triple RR isn't actually, as a sports bike, that aggressive and uh, it's kind of crazy that people say it's gone super aggressive on the riding position because while it is sporty I think you'll still find those bars a little bit higher than you know proper thoroughbred sports bikes and so if you're expecting the Moto2 to be kind of significantly less aggressive or um you know, more comfort biased, I think maybe you'll be disappointed, you know, if you want something that's like a street triple, but pretty comfortable, then go for the RS. The Moto2 is just this beautiful, um, much more aggressive looking, uh, more aggressive riding position, I think even more aggressive geometry as well, you know, just all round aggressive package, and it's a thing of beauty, really does look special, and I can see why you have pre-ordered one, but if you found the RR uncomfortable, I can't see the Moto2 feeling particularly more comfort biased. It does look quite up and over the bars. Robbie Fernandez asks, a question on the seat height for the R and RS. If I go with the option to remove the spacer from the rear suspension to lower the bike, this would be the RS that now gets that spacer to jack it up. Uh, He asks, will the riding dynamics change, i.e. increase the rake? So yeah, that's how they've shifted the geometry to a more aggressive setup so presumably if you take that off you're gonna shift it back to where it was before and so that could be one option or you could i think look at a low seat and that would give you the correct geometry but also um, lower the seat back down a little bit in fact let me just double check that yeah, so low seat for 150 quid, reduces the seat height by 28 millimeters, and I believe that's a uh, an option for both the RS and the R, so that's a massive drop in seat height, that'll take it from 8.36 down to 8.08, I believe, which should be pretty accessible for most riders, you can take 10 mil off um, the rear suspension by, by doing exactly what you described, but... Yeah, for me, that might ruin the handling, I suppose. And, you know, the whole reason to go for the RS is something more aggressive. So I'd start with the low seat because that's going to give you more comfort, easier to reach the ground, um, but without messing up the handling. If you still can't get on with it, I guess maybe remove that um, spacer. But you could have just gone for the R in the first place if you want the more... Chilled out riding position. Now, Shifter 89, question from France. I think a few of these have been from France, if I'm reading these usernames correctly. Says, Do you think it'd be a candidate for the one bike garage to do anything from track to street award? Um, certainly it's a brilliant bike, as I've described earlier in this podcast for both track riding and street riding I think the RS would be my pick just because it really does give you that more thrilling track experience and then you know you can just chill it out yourself for the road if you want to dial off a bit of suspension and then also you can change the the brakes with ratio adjustable master cylinder and so you've got some options to customize it you've got all the riding modes as well you've got a track mode but you've also got road rain sport and then user configurable um the r doesn't get the track mode but the the rs does get that and so it really does have everything you'd need to do both those things exceptionally well the only thing i will say is like i've described earlier the the kind of talk situation and the fact that you know when it really comes into its own you're up at pretty spectacular speeds certainly if you get into th- third and fourth might make you look at some of the other options in the naked category that do have a bit more uh, road grunt but this has to be on the shortlist to test ride if you're looking for that kind of bike and i can see it being the favorite for many people, there's so much to it in terms of things to like. I mean, just the way it looks in that new red paint job and the new design of it, the bodywork. I personally find, you know, the switch gear and the menus on Triumphs as well to be really well designed and implemented. Although I say that as someone who's owned a few Triumphs, so maybe to some extent I've just got used to them, but personally, I find them really easy to use. Uh, the finish on it as well just in terms of like the quality of the finish and how everything feels and you know what it feels like to ride and how you'd imagine it feels like to own I think it it feels like a, a really special bike for 11 and a bit grand which seems like um I think it's quite a good price point for what you're getting so yeah definitely check out the competition but it certainly has to be on The demo ride shortlist, or I'd say so anyway. Yuri DeBoer says, will it be comfortable for tall people like six foot three plus? I'm really in love with this bike. I can kind of feel your pain a bit there if you really want it, but you're not quite sure if it's going to be a good fit. I can't really answer that. Uh, Like I say, I'm five foot nine, but I think um, a couple of the riders, so Jeff, who writes for the Mirror. I don't know if you're UK based, Yuri, but Uh, If you can get a copy of the Mirror when the review's in there, that's probably your best bet for the tallest rider on the group. Uh, But also uh, Michael Neves at MCN, he's a fair bit taller than me as well. And I'm pretty sure they'll put a YouTube video out in the next week or two. Um, so definitely subscribe anyway you know MCN it's a long-running thing they're always publishing great reviews and they do some good video content as well Uh, and his reviews from the the launches tend to have a decent amount of depth to them and hopefully he will talk a bit about whether he found it comfortable or not. Will Y410 asks is the suspension too firm for the UK's dreadful road surfaces? Weirdly around Seville and Jerez like the road surfaces are certainly on the sort of more interesting roads to ride the road surfaces are not that good like there's lots of ripples in the tarmac and what bits where it's been filled in but perhaps not that well and also the road just seems to kind of fall away at the edges so you do get like big dips in the tarmac and um not massively pleasant for all of it i mean it's a pleasant riding out in spain on on a brand new <laughs> street triple but um the road surface was a real mixed bag I found it pretty good to be honest, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like super plush, they are both of them relatively firm because you want a sporty ride, but I wouldn't say it was like teeth chatteringly firm, Uh, you know they're both pretty fine for general road riding and of course both of them are fully adjustable so uh, while there's only a certain amount you can do with damping, you can still soften it up a bit and have a more road-biased ride if you so wish. Activate ask asks, does it have launch control? No, nope, it doesn't have launch control. But I wouldn't say it's a massively difficult bike to launch because it's not super, super powerful. But no, it doesn't get that feature. AB Matthew asks, how does it stack up against the 890 Duke car? Pretty similar, apart from the engine. That's the massive difference. You know, they've both got a sporty riding position. They've both got great suspension and great brakes. They've both got a fairly comprehensive technology package, but the difference 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 between a parallel twin that's an 890 versus a 765 triple is really pronounced and that would be a big deciding factor for a lot of people and then also the looks I mean one looks quite classy and nicely designed in my opinion the street triple the 890 Duke it has grown on me a bit more but the proportions are quite weird like the way the tank sits and then the tail end and then there's a big gap behind the front wheel. I've never thought it's like necessarily a beautiful bike, but it is loud and sort of hooligan-esque, you know, with the orange paint and all that kind of thing. So I guess it does its job. If you want something that stands out and is kind of unashamedly brash, Um, But yeah, I think those are the key differences, looks and the engine character. Now over to Instagram, we've got Ryan Torvet, and he says, how can I get it for free? Also, Lyndon Towler, how many kidneys will I need to sell? Interestingly, like there's a few comments like this, like people who just want it, uh, and they're willing to do anything. And I don't think I got that last time I was on the, the previous gen Street Triple launch. I didn't get as many DMs asking me, you know, when's the review coming out or uh, things like that. When, when are you going out on the launch? I noticed that a lot this time round and it kind of surprised me because it's not a complete uh, massive overhaul, but perhaps it's just testament to how popular the Street Triples are, or perhaps testament to how well they've got the message across that they have made some interesting improvements. And then also the Moto2 definitely did a good job of grabbing people's attention, but certainly plenty of attention and plenty of questions like that. Pedro PL Silva asks, is the tank aluminum or a plastic cover? It's now a plastic cover with a, a metal tank inside. I think that's got something to do with why it's dropped from 17.4 litres to 15. They said they benchmarked the category and felt like it 15 was all it needed, but that just seems weird to me to, to kind of remove a couple of litres. But then I was thinking, well, if you've got a plastic tank cover, but with a, a metal tank inside, there's going to be, you know, it's not going to fit perfectly to the shape of that plastic cover. And so perhaps where that's where they've lost a bit. And they've probably done that because, you know... <laughs> A crude metal tank inside a plastic cover is going to be cheaper to make. So it's a cost saving thing. Uh, But that's just my guess. Also from Pedro PL Silva, does it have separate wheelie control to the traction control? So no, it doesn't. They're integrated. You can switch the TC off. And I think that would probably switch wheelie control off as well. Uh, Someone raised that point that you can control them separately on other bikes in the the market, some of the competition. And um, the response was that, whilst journalists and sort of like maybe super advanced riders might want that separate controllability they found that in their research with most of their customers that people just wanted something that was pretty simple and easy to use and not too many settings and not too many kind of like unintuitive representations of that on the screen yeah i don't know if that's a bit of a cop-out because you could argue you can do those two things separate and just strive to design the interface as intuitively as possible and spend the time doing that. Um, But that was their response anyway as to why they haven't done it. NTO7 Matt, what does the yellow one look like in real life? Because they've only shown the red. Now, go on the official Triumph Instagram and they've um, posted some pictures of them trackside including the yellow one, which I didn't think I'd like it because I like the neon on the Moto2, but the yellow RS is kind of more like a custardy metallic yellow. Like, think of metallic custard. That's what it's like. But actually, in the flesh, it's probably the one that really stood out and kind of looked interesting and quite exciting. So I'll be interested to see how many of those we see on the road and uh, how good the take-up is at the at the dealers. But certainly trackside, it looked really good. Also, MTS 7 Matt, is it worth me working lots of overtime to replace the CB1000R? Much bigger bike, bit more horsepower, bit more grunt to it. But it does feel bigger, has more presence. Uh, whereas I think the Street Triple is more lithe and more agility focused but you might miss a little bit of the kind of raw thrills and the lower grunt I think. Um interesting one though, cb 1000 oh, is such a great looking bike as well, but demo one is the only way to know, uh, the only way to truly know as I've advised before and Dave Lawrence 63 says, is it worth changing my 2018 Street Triple RS for this new one? Again, demo it. Bear in mind what I said there about um, some of the things that they've changed being achievable so things like the 10 mil lift in the shock Uh, how much do you really use like lean sensitive rider aids have a think about those things Uh, but also just go and ride one and actually if it makes you feel excited and it makes you feel excited to get out on your bike and you're proud of owning it and you can afford it then I don't see why not Uh, I just wouldn't say it's a revelation in terms of spec it's just a little bit better everywhere that adds up to you know a substantial improvement but you know the previous gen is still just a brilliant bike uh so i wouldn't necessarily go out and put yourself in masses of debt to do it but if you're in a good financial situation i can see why it'd be tempting anyway that pretty much rounds off the questions for today a massive thanks for watching if you're watching on youtube we're out on the trans launch next week and also i'm catching up with tim because he's just been out on the CF Moto trip in Portugal, I believe, to ride two of their bikes. I'm really interested to find out how much the quality of Chinese built bikes has come on. And also because CF Moto will be building some of the KTMs from this year onwards. Uh, what we can expect from those as well. So that'll probably be the next episode. So do follow us in your favorite podcast player. Feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for watching and listening and we'll catch you in the next one.